I am Allison Cole, and even though I am a licensed psychologist, I am here to only provide general information about psychological and emotional issues, but my guest and I will not be rendering psychological or healthcare advice for any individual or for his or her particular situation. If you are seeking a diagnosis, treatment, or advice regarding medical or mental health issue, please request a referral for a psychologist, psychotherapist, or licensed professional. Good morning. Welcome to episode six of What Does It Take to Heal? My name is Corey Griffiths. I'm a professional drug and alcohol interventionist with a lifelong interest in all forms of healing. I'm collaborating with Dr. Allison Cole, psychologist and owner of Create Outcomes to do this podcast and uncover what it really takes to heal. Good morning, Dr. Cole. Good morning, Corey. We have with us today Dr. Sandy Jenkins, psychologist and diversity specialist, and Thomas Neuschel, social worker and diversity and inclusion program director at Create Outcomes. This series focuses on how to know when you need help to heal and what it takes to find the right therapist. In today's episode, we will explore the question, is it okay to choose a therapist based on their gender, ethnicity, age, and cultural background. In our last episode, we looked at the website Psychology Today and how confusing it is to decide what therapist is right for you when searching online. I admitted that looking for a particularly attractive middle-aged woman was the easiest criteria to base my decision off of, not entirely dissimilar from online dating. We have two very special guests here with us today to help our listeners think about whether it is best to go with the therapist that feels most comfortable to you based on intuition or their age, gender, cultural background, and attractiveness. So, Dr. Cole, would you be willing to give a proper introduction to our esteemed guests? I would love to. These are two of my absolutely favorite people and also people who have help me be the psychologist that I am today. I'll start by introducing Dr. Sandy Jenkins. I've uh, known Sandy for a very long time. She was my advisor in my grad school program and also was my diversity teacher. And Sandy has taught me a lot about examining my own bias as a therapist. You know, you don't know what you haven't search for within yourself or had somebody ask the right questions to help even me as a therapist understand what it is that my bias might be when I have a unique individual sitting in front of me. And Sandy now is helping our staff along with many people, including organizations in the community, such as the Portland Police Force, and helping to make our community and therapists have more awareness about how we can be a more safe and inclusive environment for people to get help and for people to feel like they're welcome in practices such as ours. So I am forever grateful to Dr. Sandy Jenkins. Thanks for being here, Sandy. That's great. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning. And I would also love to introduce Thomas Neuschel, an incredible social worker and also a clinical director and diversity and inclusion program director at Create Outcomes. And Thomas, I I have to say that, again, um, 
what you've educated me on in terms of the LGBTQ community has been beyond helpful because, again, you don't know what you don't know. And understanding somebody's gender identity or the expression of their identity, their sexual orientation is just such a multifaceted area that needs a lot of curiosity. And I have needed a lot of help and education from you in just kind of opening my mind on how I could even be a better therapist for this population of people. But in general, um, Thomas, you have just really helped our staff and, and the community in general to make environments that are more welcoming and inclusive to people from all backgrounds. So we're really excited to have you here too, Thomas. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Good morning, Thomas. Morning. So I thought today um, it would be good to start out. I love, Corey, that you started us out with um, your initial search for a therapist looking for someone who's a woman who's attractive and probably somewhat intelligent looking. And I know when we go through profiles like we did in our last episode, it's hard to not think of it a little bit like online dating when you're just looking at pictures and seeing what somebody might have written. Um, so I think maybe we'll start with just looking at a profile and maybe thinking that for our listeners that the person on the profile seems similar to them based on their race or ethnicity. And I guess this question goes to you, Sandy, just what should our listeners know when they're thinking about, wow, it feels most comfortable to go to, with someone who looks like me or looks like they're from my same cultural background? Like, what would you tell them in terms of whether to follow their intuition in that way, if that's a good idea when seeking a therapist? Well, I think it's, it's perfectly fine, um, especially if it's your first time in therapy. So let me speak a little bit about my own experience. Um, I found that my first time in therapy, I learned a lot about how to understand what therapy was and how it's done and what kinds of things I could expect to get out of therapy. And then I kept growing and I kept going from there. I've been to therapy several times and each time I've learned a great deal. So I think you learn and you grow over time. Mm -hmm. So if you begin with someone who uh, looks like you, they're, they're from a familiar culture or someone who's similar to you in some way because that's how you feel comfortable beginning therapy, uh, I think that's fine. Uh, go ahead with that. Sandy, would you mind sharing a little bit of a personal maybe experience? If you have sought therapy as a black woman, how that's come up in for you and in, in looking for your own help in therapy? Well, what I found was it's different. <laughs> OK, I got different things working with the white therapist and I got different things working with a black therapist. I got different things working with a, a female therapist. I got different things working with a male therapist. And what happened for me was each time I got something that added to my growth. Um, the main thing you really need to have as a therapist is someone with the skills and the competencies because that matters more than anything over time, 
how competent are they? How well-trained are they to really help you with your growth? So if you start with a Black therapist, um, for me, it was about really digging deep into transference with issues with my father, with a Black male therapist. And then later, uh, even more of that got dealt with with a white male therapist. And then I've had, I never had a Black woman therapist, but I've had white women therapists, and that got me deeper into some issues with other aspects of my childhood. So you just keep going. Start wherever you're comfortable and learn and grow as you go along. Sandy, if I could ask you, and this is a somewhat difficult question, probably for either of you, but when does someone know when you've reached the end of the line with a particular therapist? I'm not sure how to answer that because we're all so different. Um, (laughs) I knew I was at the end of the line with a particular therapist when things had come up for me that I knew were important things and things that I hadn't looked at before and had always needed to look at, but I hadn't. And then I felt we had gotten as far as we could go with that. So something comes up that's important and you'll know it, you'll feel it, and you focus on it, and then you go as far as you can go with that. Sometimes you realize, well, I might want to take a different angle on things at this point. So it's time to seek out a different therapist. But just go with what it feels like for you. You Trust your own instincts. Well, that actually makes me think too, Sandy, of like, as we're talking about, you know, race and culture, what about, is there a situation where you would feel like somebody who is coming from a minority background or, you know, comes to a therapist and is there kind of a red flag for them that the therapist might not know enough or, or be attuned enough to their own bias to be able to help them because of the background they're from? Well, that can happen again with any therapist of any race or any background or any gender, okay? Because we all have our biases. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh, I have mine, you have yours. It's the responsibility of the therapist, and I mean an ethical level responsibility, for, for us to really examine our biases and, and have some idea who we're not really qualified to work with or suitable to have them work with us. For me, uh, how well can they respond to what I'm talking about? Can this therapist understand what my lived experience has been? Uh, Can this therapist empathize with my lived experience, whether it's similar to theirs or, or not? Can they hear me as an individual with my own set of lived experiences in the world. Uh, If they have trouble hearing me or trouble empathizing with me, then I shouldn't work with that person. Thomas, do you have any thoughts on that? Absolutely. Um, (laughs) Quite a few thoughts on what Sandy had shared. I think one point being that when it comes to when you know you've reached kind of the end of the line with a therapist, um, seeking out a therapist, right, who might be able to acknowledge or even speak to about the fact that they're just one stop on your journey, right, and that they won't be able to offer everything to you. 
Um, and it's important to be able to communicate about those things. But as far as finding a therapist that's in your community or not is something that I, I've thought a lot about. Um, and I know in my own personal experience, having sought out therapy after an instance of workplace discrimination that I'd experienced based on my sexual orientation, um, I found a, a very qualified therapist, a very lovely woman, straight identifying woman, um, who simply could not relate to my experience, who simply could not understand where I was coming from. Um, and I found, I guess I found it a little bit re-traumatizing having to explain mm -hmm. everything that and feel so misunderstood in another situation. Um, and that led me to seek out for my next therapist, another gay man. Um, but I think as Sandy pointed out, we never want to confuse comfort with competence, right? Just because I found a therapist who happens to be a gay man who I think can probably understand my lifestyle or where I come from or my experiences on a different level um, also would never mean that he's expert on my experience. Just somebody I may not have to explain quite as much to. Yeah. Thomas, I'd like to ask you a question. You, you talked about, you know, each therapist being a, a stop on the journey to healing. I've heard stories that got me interested in psychotherapy in the first place that went back to the question of asking a therapist, can you help me heal this particular thing that I am going to therapy for? Is it possible or common or when do you know that it can happen that I see one therapist and take care of, for example, my depression and mm -hmm. cure that depression and don't need therapy ever again, at least for that issue? I, I think it's something you'll never know until after the fact. <laughs> and at least the way I practice or my framework, um, I would be suspicious of anyone who gave you a very clear, yes, I can cure this or heal this. You know, certainly it's something you can explore, some, you know, you can grow, but I would never make such a guarantee to, to a potential client. Um, I know I start to notice or speak to my clients about maybe you do want to consider somebody else or consider, you know, where we are in our work when I notice that things are feeling a little bit more stagnant or aren't moving. Or with a lot of my clients who maybe seek me out due to trauma, um, especially when it comes to gender, if we hit a wall or there's just something that an experience they're not going to get with me as a male therapist or vice versa. Right. I've had clients who've come to me after being with a female therapist um, who could do a different type of relational work with me as a man. So what if, Thomas, though, someone is coming to you specifically for their sexual orientation or gender? Mm -hmm. Like, do you would you say that it is important when someone's coming specifically for that those issues in particular that they seek out a therapist from the LGBTQ community? You know, it, it depends on your comfort level and what you're looking to get out of the process. Um, so one of my internship placements um, early, very early in my career, um, was at an LGBTQ community center. Um, and we had both, uh, both straight and gay identifying interns there, which was sometimes a little bit controversial at the site because some people felt strongly we should only have gay interns. 
Um, and I myself felt like it's great to have the diversity on staff as long as people were open about their own identity and where they're coming from in that case. Um, and for some individuals, right, it was more comfortable to be with somebody straight identifying. They really didn't feel comfortable being in that world, right, in the kind of quote unquote community. Um, and that first step could have never happened with a LGBTQ identifying therapist, mm -hmm. as opposed to others who felt really alienated, um, who really wanted that comfort, kind of like myself when I looked for this most recent therapist, a gay man really wanted that comfort of knowing that it's somebody from within the community. So I think there's strengths to both and that we need both doing competent work. Wonderful. And the that just like what you had said, Corey, about, you know, choosing a therapist based on gender. I know that's already come up a couple times in different ways, right? Like that a woman was most comfortable. But uh, Corey, I don't think you ended up with a woman therapist, right? No, in the end, I, I didn't. And I really thought about why I was seeking a female therapist and thought, you know, what could I gain from the walking through the uncomfortable aspect of utilizing a male therapist and realize through that process that I didn't trust men. So I began to trust this man and start this process. Um, but to go back for just a second, Thomas, I had a friend who opened a LGBTQ sober house uh, in North Carolina and thought that it would be full of, you know, gay and lesbian and bi and trans individuals and found out that over half the population continuously over years were straight identifying people because they were more comfortable there. Do you see that in in therapy as well? You know, that that isn't something I can say I've experienced firsthand. Anybody seeking me out due to my identity who wasn't part of the community just because they felt it would be more comfortable. Um, but I can certainly appreciate or understand kind of that wanting to be in an inclusive environment no matter who you are, right? Because even, even when we talk about labels like straight or gay, I mean, it's an easy way for us to categorize ourselves, but we're all far more dynamic than that. Um, and I'm sure it gives some allowance or some comfort to anyone to be in a setting that is so openly inclusive. Well, when I have uh, clients who I'm referring right to you, Thomas, I, I don't know if this is the right thing to do necessarily. I know we've talked about it a little bit, but, you know, there'll be people. Well, I don't want to see a man. I go, but he's a gay man. Right. As if that like, you know, makes it and it does. It like gives clients more comfort speaking to what Corey's saying, like that these clients, you know, who I guess were identified as straight even felt more comfortable because it does bring the sense of, you know, more openness to who a person might be or turn out to be through therapy. So I think, right, it it brings up a question of what what is read into that statement by the client and what's intended by it. You know, if it's meant to, to elicit an idea of openness or, or a different level of comfort, my next question would be, well, why is that? You know, is there a fear of men in general? Mm -hmm. um, is, you know, if I were a straight man, would that somehow make me more dangerous? Does being a gay man somehow make me not dangerous mm -hmm. um, or incapable of danger in the room with this individual? So I think even knowing that if a client came in with that knowledge about me, I think that would be a very rich place to start the therapy if that's the reason that they did feel comfortable being with a man.
Yeah. I don't know if that directly answers your no, question. It, no, it really, it really does, because I think it really speaks to what this whole episode is about, just whether we follow our intuition and what to kind of ask ourselves. And I'm hoping that, you know, some of our listeners are therapists, too. And I think um, I guess I'll direct this question to you, Sandy, about, you know, like what Thomas is saying about what what he brings into the room as a therapist and how what that means to the client. And so if you know, if we have our therapists out there listening, um, what what advice would you give them about when they feel like their values or their political values or their culture or their background is extremely different from their client or too different? And I guess I mean, even political values in particular, like, you know, when should a therapist kind of be aware or maybe back out of the work in some way if if there is too big of a difference or or would you say there could be too big of a difference? There absolutely can be too big of a difference. And again, this is part of our responsibility as, as therapists. And I've got examples on both ends of that. Um, I have declined to work with uh, I think by my count over the last 30 years, there were two black women who wanted to work with me and they made too much out of the fact that I was another black woman. <laughs> and because of this and because of your black woman, I know I can trust you and you will understand everything and on and on. It was obvious to me they weren't looking for a therapist. They were looking for a twin. <laughs> and I'm not their twin, okay? Um, and I didn't want to encourage them in thinking that. Um, and I have declined to work with a white man. Um, clearly, he was just not someone, uh, his background was such that he, he had been referred to me through an indirect kind of channel. And he was, I think, looking to um, deal with some underlying hidden legal issues. But clearly, he could not see me as someone he could respect or trust. And I felt the same way. I didn't see how I could respect or trust him. <laughs> if you don't have mutual respect and trust, uh, you've got nowhere. You're, you're going nowhere. So I said no to working with him. Makes sense. So in this, you know, political climate, especially, would you also ask that question of clients if or a potential client to take a look at if my therapist has a completely different political or religious views than I have, is that going to get in the way of my therapy? Can I speak to that? Because the Please. best therapy experience I ever had, the one that has lasted the longest and meant the most to me, the one that really changed my life, okay? <laughs> White, male, older, Jewish. Okay, And it was that very contrast that did the most to open up my thinking and my experience and my awareness. It was because he was so different, I was different, 
but the contrast is what really opened up my expanded awareness more than mm. any other therapist I've ever had. He could also hear me. He understood me. He understood where I was coming from, but he was different and he saw the world in very different ways because he had been raised in very different ways. And he was sort of constantly challenging how I thought about things. So this is a kind of strange question, but if a client, potential client came to you and said they wanted to work on their inherent racism, Mm-hmm. And that was their reason for going to therapy. And they were a different ethnicity than you. Um, would you see that person or would you consider seeing that person to help with that particular issue? I would be very curious. I have never had a client want to come to therapy for that reason. I prefer to work with people because they're in pain. Pain is the big sure. motivator for the kind of work I do. If you're not hurting, uh, if you're just curious or just visiting or you just want to see what a psychologist looks like or you know, you're just right. dropping by for a chat or something, I would prefer to not work with you. Um, I want to know in what way is there racism causing them pain? That would be my first real question. Right. Do you have any thoughts on that, Thomas? Yeah, I don't. You know, it's a hard question. Um, I've never had anybody seek me out directly to work on on a specific feeling they had towards the group that I belong to. But I've had people, it was always a question about were clients bringing up their homophobia because they knew or because they thought I wasn't gay. Um, And that's come up for me a lot in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of questions, especially when I worked um, primarily with childhood victims of sexual abuse from parents around sexuality and how will this Im- impact my child's sexuality or from adults who had experienced childhood sexual abuse saying that they knew that this impacted them. And, you know, comments like I, I was in a hospital and everybody there was gay. So sexual abuse must make you gay and make must make life harder. I really enjoyed working with those individuals. You know, it was a chance to bring kind of a new perspective, to bring some education. Um, But as far as our relationship, it was always kind of a question mark. You know, when I was working with somebody maybe from a very deeply conservative religious background as to how much were they asking me because they had a sense of who I was or because they assumed that I was a safe person to ask this to and didn't belong to this group. Wonderful. I know we've I've asked this question in a, in a couple ways, maybe, but I want to go back to in case our listeners who are feeling pretty vulnerable based on the group or the background that they're coming from going into therapy, maybe even for the first time. Is there anything that clients should watch out for that if because I, I just feel that it's so vulnerable to come into therapy for your first time? And if you have an experience that feels discriminating or um, in some way unsafe, then they might never go back to therapy, right? So um, I would love you guys to speak to what it, what maybe a client coming from a background or more of a vulnerable background or a minority background might need to look for if they should sort of run the other way when they go to see a therapist who's not able to make an environment that, that feels safe for them. Which of us do you want to start? Either of you can go on that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I'll begin. I think this is a major topic, maybe for a second podcast uh, mm-hmm. or for a seventh one. <laughs> <laughs> Because people do need some information about how to keep themselves safe. There are some really not well-trained or not well-intentioned people out there. They can cause harm. Mm -hmm. You can be harmed by by the wrong therapist. I, I think the first thing I would suggest is, is this someone who's at least trying to understand your point of view, your perspective, do they step up to at least try to do that, to get it from your perspective? Uh, If they're trying to tell you how to be and what to do and how to live, you should get out of there. (laughs) (laughs) You really should. No matter what they're prescribing about how to live your life, It's your life. They should help you develop how you want to live your life, not Mm -hmm. not tell you how how they live their lives. If they have a bias or a lack of knowledge, they should be able to admit to it, to just say, I don't know much about this, or I haven't studied this very much, or I'll help you find someone who knows more about it than I do. They should be willing to do that. They shouldn't ask you to educate them. I've had several Black clients who called me, and the reason they left the white therapist was because they were hearing things like, well, you can educate me about what it means to be Black. Well, no. (laughs) (laughs) Understandably, they got out of there. (laughs) That is ridiculous. (laughs) So are they too controlling? Are they too possessive? Are they unwilling to admit to any ignorance or inadequacies? Um, Are they expecting too much of you? Those are some real signs of of get out of there. Thank you. I think that's helpful. What do you think, Thomas? Are you going to say something, Chris? Oh, I appreciate you asking that. But before you go on, Thomas, I had an experience where I had a female therapist and I was seeing her over the pain that I was in due to present day custody issues. And I was aware of how it was connected to my past because I had done some work on this. And everything that I brought to her, she told me to just be grateful that I had, you know, an opportunity to see my daughter at all and wasn't, wasn't able to address the connections that I already made or the pain that I was in. I luckily had someone to tell me to get away from that particular therapist because my instinct was she's the expert. I'm the client, though I spent a bunch of time arguing with her, I I would have stayed because I assume that she is the professional. So that's my experience with that as a client. I appreciate you sharing that, Corey. I think that that brings up a really important point. And, and maybe you will be speaking to this, Thomas, of that power differential that we talk about, that because they are seen as the expert, right? Like that which is fine. I think that has come up before in a conversation about being the expert in the room Mm -hmm. or not, but that 
it puts you in a vulnerable position to kind of feel like maybe question yourself, maybe I'm doing something wrong, which is exactly why we're having this discussion. So Thomas, do you want to share some thoughts on um, what it is that maybe a, a client should be looking out sure. for in that safety? So we're, we're all a little different in how we use authority. Um, <laughs> but I know for myself, I probably skew pretty far to the side of um, trying to take the authority away and kind of give it to the client. But right, obviously, this therapist should not be telling you what to do or how to feel um, and certainly should be checking out <laughs> what it's like to hear this from her. What I'm hearing is somebody who can't look past their own bias or countertransference about the situation um, and who does hold a lot of power. And clients, unfortunately, are often uninformed of what that process should look like. But I don't think I, if I'm ever even a little bit directive with a suggestion that I give a client, um, the first thing I would do is check it out with them. What was it like for me to offer that? What was it like to hear that, you know, positive or negative reactions that we can learn from? Thank you. Any more thoughts on that, Sandy? Back to the client. Anybody who tells you or even implies that they are the only person who can understand you or the only person who can help you, you should get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> that is never true, okay? Anybody asking more of you than show up, do the work and pay the fee, you should get out of there. Uh, anybody who talks too much and too long about themselves, or and especially anybody who starts talking about their own personal life problems, you should really get up and get out of there. Just wanted to add that. <laughs> I appreciate that. I know I, I tend to talk a lot, a lot of, not a lot about my problems as a therapist, but I continue to have to work on that. Sandy, you've been teaching me that for many, many years. Just try to keep your personal stuff to a minimum in session and not make it about you. But I think well, what Thomas has said, always checking it out with the client. Like, how, how did yeah. that go? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't you don't have to do anything. Just get up and walk out of there. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to apologize. You don't have to make sure they're OK with that. <laughs> just leave. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point, because I hear so many, even in my friends who are seeking therapists, they just to leave the therapist takes them months and months because they're so worried about how the therapist is going to feel. Right. And so I'm like, you're paying them and you're, you know, and they're so afraid to tell the therapist that, you know, they're not, they're not cutting it and that they want to try something else. And it really speaks to, you know, like what Corey was saying that it's, it's hard when they're the person who's supposed to be the expert and the authority and, yeah. and, you know, especially with what we're talking about today, like really as, you know, when you come from everybody comes from these unique backgrounds, but when you come from a background where you are really seeking acceptance and safety, and I think it's even more important that they know that they have the right, that if it doesn't feel right and you don't feel safe and you can't feel trust, that you, you have the absolute right to walk out the door at any point. Well, not only that, but I offer to help clients find some other therapist. Um, mm -hmm. We're blessed to have a lot of therapists in this town, and mm -hmm. uh, I will help you find another therapist if there, if it's ever any reason why you think I'm I'm not uh, the person who's who's helping you enough. 
Mm-hmm. So it's not just permission to leave me. <laughs> you mm-hmm. can ask me to serve you by helping you find another therapist. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. <clears throat> um, on a positive note, I would like to ask each of you, and I know that you can't necessarily give specific examples, but what is your greatest appreciation for your work? And where have you seen the, the most amount of healing take place? I'll let you go first, Tom. <laughs> this is I a guess. big one. This is a big one. So go it ahead. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, I, you know, my passion is to work within the LGBTQ community and serve those in the community. Um, but at the same time, I think one of the most exciting things about my work is meeting and working with people who are very different than me. There is just something great about helping someone and getting some insight into a life that I would have never intersected with mm. um, that I think makes our job so unique. Thank you for that. So, oh, I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is a this is a difficult question because I feel I get so much out of all of my clients. Mm-hmm. I think I've always learned something from every single client I've ever had, and maybe especially the the therapies that failed that didn't go well. I mm-hmm. I learned a lot. So what would I say the what kind of client got the most out of me, and what was that <laughs> like on the other end of it? I think some of the best healing has happened with people who it was their second or third time perhaps in therapy. So they had some experience with uh, what therapy is like and the kind of therapy I do. And they found it hard and they hung in there. And then they started realizing some things and opening themselves to some things that they just had never expected. Uh, They found themselves surprised by where things went and what kinds of things began to surface for them. Uh, And that's a really, for me and them, a real gratifying experience. Um, When clients are just surprised by what comes up (laughs) in therapy. I mean, Mm -hmm. really? (laughs) I never realized that when that happened or what happened with this person or that person, it had affected me so much. I mean, for me, that opening of that door, you know, and finding something on the other side of that door that just comes as a real surprise to people feels real gratifying on both ends of it. Hmm. Good answer. Both of you. (laughs) Sandy, is most of your work doing consulting with organizations to help with diversity and inclusivity? These days it is. Uh, I used to teach full time and I retired from that about six years ago. And then I kept my, my small private practice. My practice has always been small because I was teaching full time. And so these days, I've been adding more consulting work. Yeah, quite a bit more. Hmm. Well, we're lucky for that. That's how we get you now. So am 
Okay. Yeah, we're very. We're you very keep thankful. me going. <laughs> <laughs> we're very grateful. I mean, I could be sitting somewhere in some really boring Florida town or something. <laughs> <laughs> you might end up there, but don't go yet. <laughs> I don't want to ever go there. <laughs> okay, good. So keep me going. <laughs> okay, good. Well, it sounds like um, we're wrapping up here. And is there anything else the two of you want to add? We're just, I mean, I think our listeners, both from the therapist and and the client perspective, of course, probably got a lot out of this today in terms of thinking about what therapist might be the right for them and how to go about choosing that. But any, any last thoughts that we didn't cover before we say goodbye to the two of you today? I think we covered a lot today. I know on my end, yeah, <laughs> I can't think of much more. We did, and we're gonna we're gonna have both of you back to take a bit of a deeper dive into the work itself because I know we talked a lot about you know just choosing the therapist, but I think there's a lot more conversation to be had in terms of um, diversity and inclusion when you think of the work in the room and how it progresses yeah. over time. So. We will be excited to have you guys back again. So thank you both for coming. Thank and, you very uh, much. We hope to see you soon. Really appreciate right, thank it. You. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Bye. 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 Thank you to our phenomenal guests, Sandy and Thomas and Dr. Cole. In our next podcast, Dr. Cole and I will discuss how a person knows What do you need to know about trauma before choosing a therapist? And to introduce our sponsor, Tomes, T-A-U-M-M-H-O-M-S, a sound healing and meditation technology that can help with anxiety, depression, sleep, and so much more, is brought to you by Toby Wright four-time Grammy Award-winning record producer and my awesome big brother, Thank you to all of our listeners. And if you have questions, please contact us at info at createoutcomes.com. That's info at createoutcomes.com. Thank you. See you next week.